1: Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your
0: door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four part series premiering Sunday, June 6th. Only on Showtime.
0: This is the Cubs related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. Welcome back, Brendan. Hope you you, are feeling a little better. I'm not, but that's okay. You might notice Brendan's voice is a little deeper tonight. Uh, I actually prefer this, so I should get sick more often. It is not a garage band effect, but yeah. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so hopefully you enjoy uh, Brendan's, you know, a more bass-heavy tone tonight. But we have a very good series to talk about. The Cubs go into St. Louis for their first meeting of the year with the St. Louis Cardinals, and they take... Two of three. So as they head into an off day on Monday, the Cubs sit just two games behind the St. Louis Cardinals for first place in the National League Central Division. Uh, Certainly plenty to talk about with those three games. Uh, And, you know, Brendan, especially with the just awful Sunday Night Baseball broadcast. It was a tense one on Sunday night, especially following a one-run loss on Saturday evening, but the Cubs pull it out, Javi Baez with the big bomb and extra innings on Sunday night, and a really, really nice series win for this team that are in St. Louis. The the offense the last two games, yeah, they were absent, and even in
2: that Sunday game, the umpire really just kind of dug them a hole, even though the at-bats weren't that great to begin with. It was just a bad situation for that offense, but that bullpen, like just to read off this number. The last 26 innings, which encompasses eight games, the Cubs have given up no runs out of their bullpen, not one. And in those 25 and two thirds innings, they've struck out 34 guys and walked nine guys. So the command even a little bit better. So all around, like, this is what you want to see a good team do. Even when the offense is not clicking, at times, you still want some consistency from the rest of the team, and you're getting that from the bullpen and the rotation is starting to find its gear. Kyle looks great. Zach Davies had a nice
0: outing on Sunday. Uh, overall, like this is what you want to see from a competitive team. Let me break down a little bit what happened in these three games, and then we have plenty to talk about. So on Friday, it was a rout. A uh, little help from the St. Louis defense there late in this one, but the Cubs winning twelve to three. Another really nice start for Kyle Hendricks in this game, continuing his stretch of, of looking basically like Kyle Hendricks. Six and two thirds, seven hits, three runs, but only one of them is earned. One walk and four strikeouts that's his fourth win of the season for the professor the cubs getting their runs jock peterson started this series very quickly on the right note for the cubs with a home run on the first pitch of the game and of the series from carlos martinez he deposited that for his second home run of the year cardinals would tie it up in the third jock peterson with a sack fly in the fifth would put the cubs back on top paul goldschmidt would tie things up again but then the cubs would go up for good a wild pitch in the seventh inning and then a chris bryant double made it four to two cardinals got within one but then the top of the eighth happened and in the top of the eighth the cubs hang an eight spot on the st louis cardinals which is always fun Brendan it starts with an Eric Sogard single the Cardinals then walk in two straight runs Chris Bryant and Wilson Contreras taking those walks Anthony Rizzo with an RBI double two runs scoring on that play Javi with an RBI single and David Bodie with a two RBI single that is 12 folks so that was a very fun inning of baseball there in the top of the eighth on Friday night following Kyle Hendricks was Tommy Nance Dan Winkler and Brad Weak, all of them with no runs. Uh, Nance and Weak allowing just one hit, no walks from the group, and Dan Winkler striking out too. Dan Winkler, one of those guys uh, who, you know, a lot of people, especially on on Cubs Twitter, don't necessarily expect good things from him, but the dude has a 0.63 ERA and continues to get it done. Makes no sense. (laughs) Yeah, we, we talked about the bullpen and their success. Brendan just mentioned some of those uh, more recent numbers, but boy, I mean, the bullpen just really, really good for the Chicago Cubs. On Saturday, a a frustrating one. The Cubs taking an early lead in this one, but it does not hold. Javi with an RBI single in the top of the first. The Cardinals would tie it in the fifth, and then in the bottom of the seventh, Albert Alzelay allowed to go into the seventh, and Yadi Molina takes him deep. That is the winning run, and of course, the basically worst case outcome for how to lose a game to the St. Louis Cardinals. But this was a big start for Adbert Alzali. He takes the loss in this one, which is on the offense. The offense should have been ashamed of themselves for letting uh, young Adbert take the loss in that game on Saturday because he goes seven innings, five hits, two earned, no walks, and six strikeouts. That uh, home run to Yachty, really the lone blemish. Keegan Thompson with a scoreless inning to follow. Keegan Thompson, who has not given a up a run at all uh in his MLB career here so far in 2021 uh but Despite the loss, this was a big, big start for Albert Alzali. so we will talk about that in a little bit. Uh, a frustrating one, but, you know, again, you know, kind of similar to that National Series, I, I think it's, it's uh, you know, and, and the game on Sunday is a one-run win that I'll get to in a second, but anytime you win a series and you're able to look at it and say, we could have swept that series pretty easily, I-, I think you feel pretty good about it, especially when you end up winning the series uh, anyway. So 2-1 to was the final on Saturday. It was a Cardinals win. Two to one is the final on Sunday, but it is a Cubs win. The teams go scoreless through the first nine innings of the game. We head to extra innings with the Ghost Runner on second. And uh the Cubs had the Ghost Runner to start the top of the tenth. Anthony Rizzo moved it over to third. Javi Baez came up looking to just get that run in, and he did that. He also did that by hitting a towering bomb to center field to bring in himself as well, and that turned out to be the winning run. Craig Kimbrell who came on in the ninth? stayed in for the 10th. He did allow that inherited runner to score via a sack fly, but he kept his eye on the prize to lock down the win. He gets the win in this one, his first W of the year in an inning and a third of work. Zach Davies started this one for the Chicago Cubs. Five innings, four hits, no earned, three walks, and three strikeouts. Davies was walking the tightrope in this one. The Cardinals had some chances, but Davies made the pitches to get out of it. So another uh, decent, solid, I mean, he didn't give up any runs. So a pretty solid outing for Zach Davies. Um, only through 76 pitches. So David, Uh, Well, David Ross was ejected, but the Cubs staff didn't necessarily want him to go through that order again, but it was a fairly efficient outing and a successful one for Zach Davies. So again, a two to one W on Sunday, and that is good for a series win. So that's, that's pretty much the story of it, folks. But yeah, Brendan, I, I, I mean, these last two games, very close. The zone on Sunday night was an absolute mess. David Ross getting ejected for arguing the zone. I was honestly pretty surprised that um, the, the Cardinals manager wasn't also ejected in this one because it was mm-hmm. one of those where the zone was awful on both sides. Both teams had players getting called out on strikes on stuff that, just isn't strikes. It was a really, really bad, sort bad, of embarrassing bad. game, I think, for uh, the umpires and, and Major League Baseball to have on Sunday Night Baseball. But all's well that ends well, as long as the Cubs are the ones who uh, come out on top. I, you know, I don't really care now so much about the zone. But a especially following that Washington series where you take three of four, you go into St. Louis, they're in first place, your first uh, trip to Bush Stadium on the year, your first trip against the St. Louis Cardinals on the year and the Cubs make a statement and pull out the series win. When Javi's good, if the
2: pitcher misses just by a little bit, Javi is going to make him pay. And he was not doing that last year. He was not doing that earlier this year in April. He's doing that now. And that home run he hit, that slider was not, I mean, it was a, a little bit of a hanging slider, but it wasn't that bad of a slider. Still caught the lower outside portion of the zone. So it's all to say, when Javi's at his best, he's not missing those mistake pitches. He may still chase, he may still whiff a lot, he may still frustrate fans at times because his pitches are so wild and he'll still swing at them, but when he's doing this, he's hitting those mistake pitches, and he's one of the better shortstops in the league offensively when he does that. So all in all, this is like a good... Reminder of what this offense kind of used to do. It had some like 2017, 2018 vibes with the contact. You have Rizzo moving the runner over to third base, choking up as he always does. And then Javi bringing him home with that home run. So. From Friday to Sunday, I know the offense did, but I'm going into the next series and I'm still, I'm, I'm very confident about this lineup. There was a point in time, it's not true anymore, but after Friday, the entire lineup had a WRC plus over 100. Like even Jock, even Ian Happ, the entire lineup went through eight WRC plus over 100. So it's amazing to see how fast the turnaround actually has been.
0: Yeah, and this weekend, especially, it, with David Bodie getting more of those starts instead of Matt Duffy. Matt Duffy a little banged up. He does play on Saturday, but, you know, David Ross has just said he's got some bumps and bruises, which a lot of the Cubs have, unfortunately, still without Jason Hayward, Jake Marisnyk. Uh So they are, you know, getting by, uh, but still a, a little banged up. So, you know, hopefully things get even the, the offense has been really good for quite a stretch now and, and hopefully it can continue getting better as some of these guys get healthy Wilson Contreras getting crossed up with Craig Kimbrell in that game on Sunday night taking a, a fastball off the wrist I mean that looked bad but he stayed in the game looked fine I mean you know again Wilson you, you kind of would have to drag him off the field uh for him to admit that he, he couldn't keep going but he did look okay so hopefully that is all right just a bruise or whatever but yeah some some bumps and bruises for this team here uh getting through the month of May, but they are surviving. So the first thing I want to talk about is just the starting pitching. You know, again, Zach Davies, fine in the game on Sunday night. He's been better, certainly from where he started the season, so that is obviously helpful. But I think the story from this weekend, I mean, the the, the Cardinals do very little damage in, in this series, only that one earned run on Friday night. So the Cardinals only getting uh, a few earned runs in this entire series, uh, which is rather nice. You know, that one on Sunday night is... Doesn't count as an earned run because it was that inherited runner. So the Cardinals only score three earned runs in the series, Uh, six total runs if you count the unearned runs. That is a really impressive performance by this pitching staff. And we, I talked a little bit about the bullpen uh, when I went solo the other night. We'll talk about it a little more in this episode. But I want to start with that front two of this rotation, Uh, and that is Kyle Hendricks and Adbert Alzolay. And we've, you know, we know about Kyle Hendricks. We've not been worried about Kyle Hendricks, but really nice to see him go out there and deliver that type of outing. He's had a lot of success against the St. Louis Cardinals in his career, and this was a a really solid outing, Brendan, with the one earned run, four strikeouts, just one walk, and he only threw 83 pitches to get through six and two thirds. So, again, you know, David Ross picking those spots where he wants to go to the bullpen. He went to Tommy Nance in this instance to get the hold, which Tommy Nance did, Uh, but. Really nice. It's it's obviously just a comforting feeling to sort of just be able to, uh, like I said, we were never worried about Kyle Hendricks, but he wasn't performing well, and we had talked a little bit about the burden that kind of gets placed on him, and he talked about that after the game uh, on Friday night a little bit, you know, saying he wants to be that dude for the Cubs, he knows he needs to be that dude for the Cubs, and I, I think you and I, Brennan, have talked a little bit in the past about how. It, it feels a little unfair to kind of be looking at Kyle in, in those early April starts being like, dude, come on, you got to get there. I, I know, you know, it takes you a, a second sometimes, but you got to get there because this team just needs it. And so to be in that spot where Kyle is going out there and just doing his thing every fifth day it it is you know it does allow everyone to breathe a little easier and it and it takes pressure off of of the rest of that rotation which is you know sort of what that burden is in the first place but a really nice effort from him on Friday night
2: what I think did not go notice was the Cardinals approach against Kyle that game was spot on like you could tell They were sitting change-up in many, many counts. There was one at-bat by Goldschmidt where Kyle sunk a change-up perfectly where uh, Willie was setting up. And Goldie hit a line drive, and it was caught and out. But you could tell the Cardinals had a game plan. They executed, still couldn't beat Kyle. And so Kyle, that start, he was able to adapt. And what he did was, one, like he threw four seams and counts that were change-up counts as the game went along, and in 12 four seams that he threw, he got four whiffs. Doesn't seem that much, but like a 33% whiff rate for a four seam is really, really high, especially in certain contextual situations. That's, that's exactly what you want to see your veteran pitcher do, is adapt, because his change-up he threw it 21 times, he only got two whiffs. So again, it goes back to the point, the Cardinals had a game plan, they executed, Kyle probably recognized that, switched it up with Wilson, and went deep into the game, and won by a blowout. That's exactly what you want your ace to do. And with that, Kyle's velocity, that start, best of the entire year. His sinker averaged 88 miles per hour. He touched 90 miles per hour. Th- this is when Kyle is at his best, when he has this 88, 89, 90 with a separation between that and his changeup, and he's able to locate his team where he wants to and spin in a few curveballs just to keep the other team off balance. That's what he did. Best start of the entire season, I think, even though he didn't get those whiffs with those
0: changeups, it's just a matter of him adapting, and that's what you want to see from Reyes obviously he is the number 1 in this rotation and you know you you kind of need him to get there with uh, how this pitching staff is put together and it's good to see him doing that and just there, there's just something about him pitching against the Cardinals he just has such a a mastery of of that lineup and and you he's just clutch man he's clutch yeah he is so that is the story with Kyle I think you know again like if you were concerned about it at all I, I don't think you should have been but going forward I think you can just pencil him in for a classic Kyle Hendricks start every time he's taking the mound stuff looks good mechanics look good so I think he's where he wants to be but I I think one of the main stories of the weekend and it's it's ironic in that it is in the one loss, uh, and he took the one loss in this series. But that start from Albert Alzali on Saturday, Brendan, is really important, and I mm-hmm. hope that it felt important to all of you because that was a glimpse of the future. That was a kind of it felt like an "I have arrived" type moment for Alzalai And again, it's it's unfortunate that it comes in a loss with the way that he was pitching. If the Cubs' offense had been able to put up. Uh, a few runs here and there, it would have been sort of the uh, the quintessential Alzeli start. It would have been that, that start we look back on and, and celebrate and things like that. But alas, it wasn't to be, but I still think it should be that start because he goes through the seventh inning. David Ross allows him to go back out there in the seventh, push through it, and he he got beat on on you know a a hanger that, that Yachty took out and you know that that that's gonna happen. But seven innings, five hits, again, not walking anybody, six strikeouts, he looked really good. But what is the real standout of this to me is that this is a young guy going out there on the road. The, you know, the fans back in St. Louis for the most part, so you've got that kind of hostile territory out there. Your biggest division rival, the team in first place, you're doing this all on the road, and Adbert did his thing. He looked great. Brendan, this is a huge start for him, and this was one of those moments where if he was not on your radar for whatever reason as someone who is going to be a top-of-the-rotation arm for this team in the years going forward, Saturday night should have put you on notice.
2: And even though he got that loss, and you'll look back at that game with less, I guess, remembrance, we we, we can't do that. This was such a milestone start for Adbear because he went deep into a game for the first time as like the guy in this pitching staff and that was huge to see he was dialed in command was right on point and on the year he has a better walk rate than 94 percent of other starters Corey I mean he's a young guy this is his first full year in the rotation doing this after completely changing his entire arsenal this is unbelievable and in that start I don't know if the guns were hot or if it was just like the adrenaline being in Bush Stadium for the first time with more fans, but Adler was throwing one and a half miles per hour faster than his year average. So like Kyle, the velo was way up and he was commanding everything and the slider was on point. So yeah, like he got the loss. It sucks. This is like a common thing. Anecdotally, we can uh, look back and see if it's true, but I feel like, The offense, especially when Adbert's on the mound, they are doing him no help whatsoever. So it's unfortunate, but I think we have to look at the start as the year progresses and trying to feel what we have with Adbert as like, you know, a competitive team and how deep we can go with them. This was the turning point, you know, a Pat Hughes turning point. This was it for him to go deep against the division leader at the moment, against your biggest rival in
0: an opposing stadium for the first time in like almost two years. This was huge, Corey. Absolutely. And, you know, again, I I think that we've talked a lot about his mentality and his just the way that he goes about things and and I don't think he's gonna be phased by losing that game or you know uh giving up that late home run i i think that he's Going to work through that, I think he's going to use that as a point of motivation, and you know, continue to strive to be better. Um, you know, we saw it; it looked like he was pretty frustrated in that start before, when he wasn't allowed to go further into the game. Um, you know, obviously there was a lot of discussion about that on social media and stuff like that. And you know, he got the chance, and and I don't think that giving up the home run, you know, makes that 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 a bad decision. I don't think anybody regrets that decision, but I think Adbert is clearly the type. Type of guy who is going to uh, use that as a motivation and, and, again, continue to get better. And we've talked a lot about patience with him and his development and just how the Cubs are going about this. And it's important for these things to happen. You know, he, he continues to hit those milestones right where he's working later into games he's throwing more pitches in games he's doing new things still at the major league level and and this was one of them so for him to perform that way in that environment against that team with everything going on I think speaks uh, more about him and more about what he's going to bring in the future than the fact that you know he gave up that late home run and, and ends up taking an undeserved loss in this one but just really, really impressive, um, and Tommy Haddovey talked a little bit to Jordan Bastion of MLB.com about how Alzalai now has a 4.2% walk rate, which is the 8th best uh, number in Major League Baseball of pitchers with a minimum of 40 innings pitched. Uh, He points out for perspective that Kyle Hendricks is at 4.9%. And Tommy Haddovey talked about how Alzulai is learning not to just chase whiffs, but trust how good his stuff is in the zone, and just trust his stuff. And he got some really gross swings. Uh, you know, he had some really nice plate appearances against Paul Goldschmidt, getting some whiffs there. And you you do, I, I think, just from an eye test perspective, you see him developing that confidence. And we see his pitches on, you know, the Pitching Ninja and things like that on Twitter all the time. And, and you know, he's, he's getting guys to take all these ugly swings and everything and you I think you see it when you're watching the games that like he's developing that attitude of like, yeah, like, I know my stuff is nasty, and I'm going to use it, right? You just sort of are, are starting to see this. It's very exciting. And I think, you know, obviously, at this point, he's positioned as one of the uh, more important pitchers in this rotation, right? So obviously, we're going to talk about him. But we we end up focusing so much on him, because he represents so much for the future of this team. And if you know, we we always talk about, the extensions, the off-season, the budget, all this other stuff, right? If Saturday night is a glimpse of what you're going to get from Alzelay in the future, that looks, again, like top of the rotation stuff, top of the rotation attitude, demeanor, and everything. And if he's a guy who you look and go, we're up against a, you know, the team in front of us in first place, on the road, biggest rivalry, we're giving the ball to Advert and he's going to do that? Man, I mean, talk about just how, like, transformative that is for Jed Hoyer's future plans and and just how you're sort of envisioning this team in the years to come look no one's perfect even the best baseball players
1: strike out with the bases loaded and the best golfer sometimes three putt with the tournament on the line so if you feel like you've been coming up short in the health department it's perfectly okay but if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to getroman.com/cubs-related now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for hair loss or ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is forward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to. GetRoman.com/cubs-related and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com/cubs-related now to get fifteen dollars off your first month. That's fifteen dollars off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED or hair loss. Go to GetRoman.com/cubs-related. Get started now to save fifteen dollars off your first month of
0: treatment. But let's touch on the bullpen again just for a little bit. I know I talked about them uh, the other day and kind of just pointing out how good they've been. But a just a phenomenal weekend from this group, and it is turning into. Quite the luxury for David Ross to be able to look at this bullpen in a way where he he just trusts these guys and and he should and with we've we've talked about it all year where the length you were getting out of some of these starters hasn't been the best and it, it, the the importance of ross and Hoddy and, and the coaching staff to have the ability in a lot of these games to say you know what i don't want this starter to work through this lineup again right we're coming up on you know the two three four in the opposing lineup for the third time or the fourth time whatever it is I'm going to go to my bullpen because I don't want them to see this guy again. Uh, David Ross must feel so much confidence at this particular moment in making those decisions. He he doesn't have to ride the starters if he doesn't want to, uh, mm-hmm. unless he believes they're going. They are the best matchup, and they're going to get it done. Because everybody that's coming out of this bullpen is getting the job done. I mean, what a weekend from this group, Brendan.
2: I was thinking about this too, especially with Zach Davies struggling and Kyle struggling and Adber on that pitch limit. Having the bullpen be so valuable may have accelerated the adjustments of that rotation to get to a point where now Davies looks better, Kyle's normal, and now Adber can go deeper into the games. Because you have almost your entire bullpen with ERAs Either hovering around three or below three, and some of your top tier guys, like around two ish. This is an unreal bullpen to start the season. So, just to throw a few numbers here like Dan Winkler, and th- this is, I don't know how this escaped me, but he's a.063 ERA. And these stats are not updated yet, so it will be better by tomorrow or on Monday. But he's a a.063 ERA. And then you keep going down the list, man. like. Chafin, 2.57, Tapera, 3.1, Craig Kimbrell, 1.02, Rex Brothers, three flats, uh, Justin Steele when he's healthy, two, Keegan Thompson has not given up a run yeah. yet. So the bullpen, we've talked about it for years, most of the time from like 2017 through 2019 in a negative context and like I don't know if I can trust his current group and I don't know how we look at the developmental side because we don't really see anyone coming up that's imminent now it's like all right Steele's injured next guy up it's okay it's it's such a refreshing feel to have and I know we always talk about him but he has to be talked about because he is among the main individuals responsible for this turnaround is Tommy Haddavy he's Taking this this staff like a Dan Winkler and a Rex Brothers and and they were you know DFA'd like Rex Brothers this is like his third stint with the Cubs trying to make the team he's taking these guys and he's made them high leverage pitchers almost with a snap of his fingers and that is because of that pitch lab because of investing in that developmental side and doing a few things that are different with that two, with that like wake a shift seam that you're hearing about and the sinkers up and in this is such a unique style of pitching that I feel like for the first time since maybe like the mid 2010s that's differentiating the Cubs from the rest of the pack and that is a feeling I didn't think I would get this fast but we're seeing it right away
0: and I look like at this point you have to have confidence in this pitching infrastructure we talk about it all the time but this is not the first season where we've seen this, and it's not always easy, right? When you're not investing a ton of money and you don't have kind of always established names in the bullpen, you know, there's going to be some hiccups, right? Like not every signing, not every reclamation project, things like that has been a success. But I think clearly the Cubs front office, their, their pitching infrastructure, however these decisions are being made, they clearly have an ability to put together a bullpen with whatever, right? And now we're in a place where you're starting to see more of those guys coming from their own system and younger guys getting chances. And I I mentioned this last time, Tommy Nance is not a younger guy, but he's a newer guy getting a chance. And that is reason for even more optimism like we knew from past seasons that they had the ability like you know we saw what they did with Jeremy Jeffress when they brought him in in 2020 you know kind of uh, reworking him a little bit and getting really good results from him in, in 2020 we have saw what they did with Kimbrell when he struggled initially and how they kind of put their heads together and then settled that down obviously and have gotten Craig back to uh, you know Hall of Fame level with with where he is with everything you know you see guys like you mentioned Brennan. Dan Winkler, Rex Brothers, but now that you're seeing them bringing up younger guys and guys sitting in the upper 90s and things like that even more optimism because you're starting to believe in this system and this developmental process and I mentioned this last time but if if you follow a lot of the minor league teams and a lot of the minor league writers you're you're starting to see these I don't want to call them random guys because they're not every you know everybody's important in the system and things like that but you're just starting to see these names like left and right, and and if you're not paying close attention, there's certainly going to be guys that you may not have heard of before, but they're touching 98, 99, 100, and it's just not a feeling you've had with the Cubs organization in the past. It, it feels like things have turned a corner for the way this team is evaluating pitching, developing pitching, and it's, it's bubbling up to the top, right, where we're seeing those results hitting the major league team and the major league bullpen. But it's it's worth continuing to highlight because I, th- this bullpen has just been so good. I, I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. it's tough to really even overstate it. Uh, you know, again, this number, the last eight games for the bullpen, 25 and two-thirds innings, just 11 hits, one run that That's wasn't crazy. earned. So no earned <laughs> runs, nine walks, and 34 strikeouts. Their bullpen on the season is 3.02, and not that you can remove bad innings, uh, but, you know, you look at some of those outings. Shelby Miller is one that comes to mind where, you know, there was a, a good bit of runs given. Like, you can't just remove it because it happened, right? And the Cubs did give mm-hmm. him a chance and stuff like that. But you take out some of the, the real blips on the radar in terms of, like, the, the big explosive uh, run outings. Th- those numbers look even better. So you, you do want to see those walk numbers continue to come down. But overall, I mean, man, like, this group is, is just really, really impressing right now. And I, I think we harp on it so much because it completely changes the configuration of this team, right? We've talked yeah. all year, you know, Jake Arrieta at this point, the, so far that we've seen in 2021 is a five or six inning guy, right? That's what he's given you in basically every start. And that's fine. But that's, that's basically what it is. You know, you look at someone like Zach Davies, who's been in kind of a similar spot. Even as he started to see better results, he still is not working deep into games every single time. Adbert just got through that seventh inning on Saturday, and we're still not exactly sure how they're going to manage his innings, manage his uh, pitch count, and things like that as the season goes along. Trevor Williams, it's, it's been a struggle the last few starts, was better in the last one, but again, not giving you those seven, eight, you know, complete game starts, and when the bullpen is, you know, meh, or if it's bad, that's a disaster, right? It's a disaster waiting to happen. But with the way the Cubs' bullpen has performed, like I said uh, earlier in this episode, it allows David Ross to manage games completely differently. And you want to be careful. You don't want to overwork the bullpen, right? You, you don't want to have to rely on them for five or six innings a night. But in this series against the Cardinals, they didn't have to do that. Hendricks and Azulay went deep into those games. But it, it you just see the effect on Sunday when he didn't want Zach Davies to continue going in that game and it's very easy to say we're going to go to the bullpen because they're getting the job done they haven't given up a run in a you know 25 innings so of course I'm going to turn the ball over to the bullpen I feel the utmost confidence in that you've got an off day on Monday It, it, it just completely changes the way this team looks and the way that David Ross and his staff are able to manage these games. And and you sort of see that on a daily basis. So that is a huge development. And all the credit in the world to the Cubs and and their pitching infrastructure for getting them to this place. And I don't know if you have anything specific on him again, but I I continue to just be like so impressed by Tommy Nance. Uh, It's it's a really great story, you know, that, that he's gotten up here and has gotten this chance. But It it just feels like it's been a while since the Cubs have called somebody up who just comes up, he's pumping 97, 98, he's got wicked stuff, and he's just attacking the zone, you know, (laughs) and and it's one of those things where you need a bigger sample, guys have to have a chance to adjust to him on the offensive perspective, but... I'm not sure I remember a time, Brendan, where the Cubs called somebody up and you guys know I'm not the biggest like prospect junkie. So I didn't know much about this guy. And every time I'm watching going like, where, like, where has this guy been my whole life? Like, what (laughs) is going on here? Like the Cubs just called up this guy. He's pumping strikes, he's pumping gas and it's filthy. It's just such a pleasure to watch this bullpen right now, which, uh, you know, it's not really where you necessarily expect to be.
2: I did not get a chance to talk about uh, Tommy Nance on the last episode, so I do want to just mention a few tidbits about him. First off, I I love Tommy Nance, and I I was blown away. I don't think I've ever been that blown away from seeing a pitcher, like, for the first time. I I did not expect that whatsoever. In his debut, he was throwing curveballs, sliders, four-seamers, and he threw a slider And I'm like, what the hell was that? Corey, he threw a slider over 3,200 RPMs. He averaged almost 3,000 RPMs on that slider. Specifically, it was like 2,960. For qualified pitchers, that's the best slider spin rate, other than Trevor Bauer, who may be like, you know, using Pintar. He's being investigated for that right now. So, uh never been blown away by a reliever like that ever. uh full disclosure like like you honestly, I did not know who Tommy Nance was two weeks ago. I, I may have heard the name back then. you know, Brian Smith of Bleacher Nation mentioned him two years ago and shame on not, like me and, and and you too, Corey, for not remembering the name because Brian Smith mentioned that this is someone with the breaking ball that we should be watching. And so he comes in, makes his debut, and he's just throwing cutters and four-seamers like 90 miles per hour. I, I, in, in my memory, I cannot remember a more surprising reliever pitch for the Cubs. And it's so telling, too, because on Saturday's game, they only used Keegan Thompson out of the pen. Like that—that that was it. They had arrested Penn, which is probably one reason why the coaching staff—I want to say Ross, but he was ejected. and I'm sure he had saying it—is probably one reason why they—they they intended to have a short hook with Zach Davies. But regardless, guess who was in the seventh inning in a zero-zero game? It was Tommy Nance yeah. Corey. Tommy Nance. And this is over guys who have been used in similar situations, who are rested, well, yeah. do not
0: pitch. That's the key yeah, point, And I, I'm glad you mentioned that. Sorry to, to cut you off. But it, it was especially interesting to see Nance get that chance on Sunday because he did come in in that spot in the 7th on Friday. And then he gets that spot uh, in the 6th on Sunday. And Winkler and Week came in after him on Friday, but only Keegan Thompson pitched on Saturday. So you come into Sunday, everybody's really rested, and Anz had already pitched. So like clearly he has earned the favor of the guys making the decisions here.
2: I mean, so fast too. That's the thing. I I know it's like anecdotal, but even Joe Madden. I remember when Joe was uh, managing these guys, he had a tendency to immediately use that reliever who was called up on that day and it seemed as if the intention there was to like get him going but it never persisted like when joe did that those guys did not seem to hold on to those opportunities for Tommy Nance, a little bit different. He got a little bit of a tease on Friday and then right away, when the bullpen is rested and you have other chances and other guys to use in those spots, like you said, Corey comes in the sixth, goes back out there for the seventh. That is really telling and I think from my perspective, small sample size be damned, but you don't see many pitchers, even in one outing, showcase that much spin on a pitch and in this small sample, whatever, the command looks sharp, the attitude for reliever, that's what you want, he clearly has a chip on his shoulder for not being in the league for so many years, he's quickly turning into one of my guys, I'm like, all right, I want to see him pitch all the time, and like, it's right away, and it's crazy to think about, because again, honestly, I didn't know who he was two weeks ago, I I would be, I think many people would be lying if they said they knew exactly who this guy was two weeks ago.
0: As I said, I mean, I'm not really ashamed to say I'm not the the biggest minor league guy. I've sort of joked before that uh, I I know who Brendan Davis is, and I'm big on Brendan Davis, who hit a home run in his first game uh, of the minor league season on Sunday. So congratulations to friend of the podcast, Brendan Davis. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't always go deep into the minor leagues. The, I, you know, I have enough, uh, psychotic tendencies paying attention to the major league roster that it's just sort of probably better for me to limit it to one team. But yeah, I, I don't, I would, I think I would be lying if I said I'd ever heard his name before Brendan. I mean, maybe (laughs) I read it in a tweet when the Cubs made some yeah. moves or whatever, but I, I really didn't know about it. And yeah, it's it's a, it's a shame I didn't. I mean, it's such a wonderful story for the journey that he's been on in his career. I wish I had, had known more about it. I, I think I would have been more excited when he got that opportunity. But it's it it's just really impressive to watch his bullpen right now, and it's uh, something that, as I've said before, it really changes the the outlook of this team because you know Kyle Hendricks is is gonna do his thing going forward here. Hey, Adbert's looking better than he ever has. Jake's been giving you quality starts and and giving you starts that you can win as a team. And you know you still want Zach Davies to continue trending in the right direction. You want to figure out, uh, you know, how to get the most out of Trevor Williams or what you're you're. you're going to do there but it's it's hard not to be very excited uh about this bullpen and what they have been able to do because it's it's just they have been lights out and you know we've seen and not, not that uh, I, I want to give the the Brewers any credit, but they're they're just, you know, them and the Rays are kind of two teams that you really look at that exceed at bullpen management and locking down close games. And the Cubs have played a ton of close games. Uh, a lot of their recent losses, I think it was like eight of their last, you know, nine losses or something like that, have all been by one run. So these types of things are really important. And when you look at the starting staff and and everything the cubs ability to navigate 3 innings a night or 4 innings a night things like that really confidently with different arms guys that give you different looks different velos different handedness etc it 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 changes the way that the cubs are able to win games and the that you're you're seeing that you saw that in this series against the cardinals this weekend so I think that's what we have on the pitching staff. I want to turn to the offense a little bit. And I, I think the the first place to start really is with Javi, who uh, you know, again, his overall numbers um, you know, are still not necessarily where he might like them. You know, they're not at that twenty eighteen Level, um, you know, when he had a 366 weighted on base average and a 131 WRC plus. But those numbers have rocketed in the right direction, folks. And, you know, his uh, whiff rates and K rates and chase rates, all that stuff was wild at the beginning of this season. But a lot of that has settled down to. Uh, you know, still uh, high levels. His his K rate right now is still at about thirty six percent, which would be the highest of his career, save for you know his his rookie appearances in twenty fourteen. For reference, in twenty eighteen, when he almost won the MVP, it was twenty five percent. So it's still high. But remember, some of these numbers were around forty five to fifty percent in April and in that early portion of the year so he has cut these down a lot and it's 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 bearing out in the results he's got about a 340 weighted on base average and a 114 WRC plus so pretty safely above league average right now and you know you think about where he was in 2020 with all of those weird variables going on there and things like that and he just looks again to to keep kind of using we always put the numbers out there but you you can kind of go by the eye test on a lot of these things he just looks more like himself right and and one of the ways you're kind of seeing that first of all he's dropping bombs right that's the easiest way to see that with Javi Baez he's got 11 home runs on the year 32 RBIs so those numbers are very nice but you're seeing him do more of that uh and and he did it this weekend where he's reaching down and and going out and getting pitches that he really doesn't have any business hitting and he's aligning outfield for base hits, right? And using the whole field and making use of of junk pitches, which is not really what we were seeing in the beginning portion of the season, right? In the beginning portion of the season, we saw him whiffing at fastballs down the middle of the plate in the zone and chasing really wildly with no success. And you're just starting to see all of that calm down a little bit. And he's got himself in in a really nice position right now. And for the team, obviously, that's huge. I mean, he wins the game on Sunday night. He he looks like Javi Baez uh, more... Now, than he did in the beginning of the year, of course, but you want these guys to be playing well. I don't know what the Cubs are going to do with his situation, but I want Javi Baez to have a successful year in a contract year for Javi Baez, right? I don't know what the Cubs are going to do, but I love Javi Baez. I don't want him to struggle going into free agency when he's up against all these other big time shortstops. Like, I, if the Cubs aren't going to pay him, I want Javi to get paid. He deserves it. And, I, and I'm rooting for him. So not only just for the 2021 Cubs, but just for Javi. Like, it's, it's just nice to see these numbers looking more normal, looking better, and just feeling more confident when he's up there uh, than the beginning of the year. We knew that that was not who he was. We knew he was not the version that we saw in 2020. But it was, you know, sort of, uh, I don't want to say scary, but, you know, a little unnerving no, when, was when little this scary. season started not on the best note because you were just like, oh, man, like, you know, there, there was so much wrong in that 2020 season, but you knew that wasn't him. And so for him to have calmed things down, made some adjustments, gotten, you know, a little like slow, slow things down a little bit in the box. And for those numbers now to be above league average, he's doing his thing. He's driving in a ton of runs. It's good to have El Mago back.
2: So I, I was a little scared back in April. I don't know about you. So I think scary is uh, the appropriate word for at least how I was feeling. And that's just because players like Javi, he's an outlier. Like I always will think he's an outlier. But in that April, a lot of players with that same type of play discipline portfolio they age really fast and pitchers adapt them really fast. And we were kind of seeing that, but that ended up not being true. So Javi did adapt and that's what he does. That's what he's done throughout his entire career. Uh, Almost at, again, like the snap of his fingers. A lot of these Cubs guys uh, have a tendency to do that. But one telling number that does match the eye test. And you don't even need these numbers when you, you know, when you watch these games. He looks clearly better. But going into May, he had a contact rate 56%. Not good. Historically low, one of the worst in Major League Baseball. And going off of a year in 2020 where he was whiffing a lot as well. But since May, so May 1st to now. His overall contact rate is 73%, Corey. He's just hovering right by league average. Javi Baez, league average contact almost. And that's not coming with like better plate discipline per se in terms of his chase rate. His chase rate is up almost eight percentage points in May compared to April. He's still swinging at stuff. He's just hitting more pitches. His contact rate inside the zone is up almost 16 percentage points in May from April. And that reflects what I was talking about earlier on in this episode, where if you're throwing a pitch, a breaking pitch down in a way, you have to dig that pitch. That pitch has to be in the dirt because if it's not, Javi's going to hit that ball hard when he's on. And that's exactly what happened against uh, the Cardinals in Sunday. So when Javi's on, he's hitting mistake pitches, he's making contact, he's more in control. And, you know, this is not a small sample size. This is a sample size in May of almost 70 plate appearances. Contact rates, these plate discipline numbers, give or take some years and what you sample from, They stabilize in like 50 or so plate appearances. He's passed that mark. You cannot use a small sample size argument. Whatever change Javi has made, at least for the current immediate future, you have to assume this continues. And the only way it does not continue is if now the scouts adapt and they're capable and the other teams adapt and Javi has to go through another adjustment phase. But for now, the way I look at it, the next series, next two series, next three series, this is who Javi is. You can expect this. Put him in the middle of the order. This is huge for this offense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if there is anything else, you know, from the offense that was significant, really, uh, in this weekend. You know, Jock continues to look good, Uh, I think. David Ross clearly feels pretty comfortable with him up in that leadoff spot. You know, back when he was a member of the Dodgers, he did frequent that leadoff spot. So uh, not as unorthodox or unique as some of the leadoff choices we've seen in the past. Um, but you know, he he goes over on on Sunday night, but he did have a good series, productive night on Friday night, going one for three with two RBIs, um, scoring a run on Saturday night. So he's still you know trending in that right direction. I you know, don't know if you guys, I, I guess we can check in on Chris Bryant, Brendan, you know, just for a second, but he had two more hits on Sunday for a while, had the only hit in the Cubs, uh, in, for the Cubs in that game, 312 batting average, uh, 1009 OPS. So he is still uh, in the discussion to be the National League MVP. So that's really cool. The Cubs should extend him and, and keep someone like that on the team for as long as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Anthony Rizzo with a, with a good weekend there, his OPS, over 800 Javi still over 800 um Nico looking good you know uh, he's he continues to be I mean he looks so good on defense and he his offense mm. is you know coming down a little bit I think uh, I mentioned a few episodes ago that he wasn't gonna have an OPS over a thousand for the whole year it's it's down in the 800s right so you know he didn't have uh the best weekend there in st. Louis but you know still hitting 324 still making good contact And almost every game, turning in a play that really makes you go, wow, when he does it Uh, from a defensive perspective. Turned a nice double play in that game on Sunday night, going back, catching a pop-up, you know, kind of over the shoulder, throwing it back to second base to double off. I think it was Harrison Bader um, who forgot how to run Mm -hmm. the bases, I guess. Um, But he just looks really good out there. And, you know, he's still going to have to make adjustments at the plate, but. I think this was obvious. I mean, we knew that when he went down to begin the season, it wasn't a service time thing. We talked about that, and it obviously isn't because that's not what they're doing. But I, I do think we're at the point now where th- there's no discussion about, and and he's playing every day, so I don't I don't think it's a discussion amongst the coaches, but. He he's your second baseman, man. He's just making that very clear, and to see how good he is on on a daily basis at second base really lets you dream on. You know how good this Cubs defense is in the future. We don't know necessarily who's going to be playing the infield with him because everybody on the infield with him uh, needs a contract extension. But he he's just one of those guys where like it feels like he takes perfect routes to ground balls and and to balls that he needs to go get and and it's just very impressive and watching him kind of get this chance and and sort of build that base to his MLB career has been a a real joy to watch I think uh the word perfect is the right adjective (laughs) to describe (laughs) Nico Horner
2: uh he runs well he feels well he hits well he has good hair looks great out there good high socks number two infield like this is what you like when you make a player in MLB the show like you want to make Nico Horner this is this is the prototype baseball player uh so I'm, I'm thrilled that like, you have this guy for six years Corey like this guy will be in your infield for six years and then some if you extend them unlike the other guys they haven't extended for the past five years all right So we have a three-game series coming up in Pittsburgh after the off day on Monday. So we have Jake Arrieta returning to the mound on Tuesday. That game starts at 5.35 p.m. Central Time. Jake on the year is 4-4 with a 4.46 ERA. The Pirates, as of Sunday night, it is almost midnight in Chicago. They have not announced a starter for Tuesday. But they have enough nice starter for Wednesday, and that game starts at 5.30 p.m. Central. And they have Will Crow on the mound, who is 0-2 with a 4.91 ERA. The Cubs have... Trevor Williams on the mound, former Pirate, returning back to Pittsburgh, who is 2-2 two two with a 5.97 ERA. Very important for, for Trevor to go deep. He has not gone deep in a very long time since uh, his, his first start, Corey, of the year. So we need Trevor to go deep in this start. Good opportunity with familiarity with the Pittsburgh Mound against a struggling Pirates team. On Thursday, to wrap up this three-game set, we have Tyler Anderson on the mound for Pittsburgh. Tyler Anderson on the year is 3-4 with a 4.73 ERA. Kyle Hendricks back on the mound for the Cubs. Kyle on the year, 4-4, a 4.74 ERA. That game is a day game, starts at 11.35 a.m. Central. Wow, a 9.35 start time for me here in the West Coast. Not cool, but it is what it is. Uh, on the year, the Cubs are two games above 500. That is a season high. They are 24 and 22. They are two games back of the St. Louis Cardinals at 26 and 20 record. Below the Cubs is Milwaukee, who are at 500 with a 23 even record. And then the Cincinnati Reds are 20 and 25, five and a half games back of the Cardinals. And then in the cellar where they belong is the Pittsburgh Pirates with an 18 and 28 record. So I mentioned him. The big thing to watch for me this series is Trevor Williams. You want to see him go deep just to stabilize the rotation one through five. he's kind of the odd man out right now in terms of like not having that confidence. I have confidence in him. His command has not been good. That's reflected by his unwillingness to use his curveball within the last few starts just because he hasn't been able to find that fastball. So I'm looking for that fastball command. Early on, locate up in the zone. That way you can use his curveball down and away, a slider down and away, and get some actual solid, quick, deep innings. So that's what I'm looking for. And sell our team, man. Like, it'd be nice to come away with a sweep yeah. and go into the weekend series in first place, and they have a legitimate opportunity to do it.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, this is one of those things where they've played better against uh, some better teams as of late, and you just want to see them take care of business against a bad team and, and really sort of start to distance themselves from that 500 level. Uh, you know, they are two games up now. So, you know, you have a chance here to really give yourself some space between fluctuating above, below, above, below, and and as they've been for a little while now. But I, I just want to see him take care of business in this series, mostly because I think we're all seeing the same thing at this point. And the the main way that I looked at this team, and I think you looked at it in a similar way, Brendan, was, I don't know how many team games this team is going to win. I don't know how many it's going to take to win this division, but this team is going to compete in that division. And I, I think we both said they're going to win this division. And Everything we've seen to this point, and especially now after you watch them go into St. Louis and perform three night games on the road against the team in first place, right? The 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 presumptive favorite for a lot of people once they got Nolan Arenado and had Paul Goldschmidt, right? Everybody fawning over the Cardinals, right? The Cubs have made it very clear that this team is good enough to win. They're going to play a lot of close games. There's going to be some one-run games. Those margins are going to be thin. We know that now. We knew that coming into the year. But if you have watched this team for this long and you're not seeing that, I don't really know what you're watching, right? You don't have to look at this team and believe that they are the biggest threat to win the World Series in the National League. That's not what I'm saying. But this team clearly has what it takes. They have the personnel, they have the energy, they have everything that they need to compete in this division, to win games, and to ultimately win this division. So, let's take care of business against the bad Pirates team. You get yourself in a nice spot. Then you come home for six games where I'm back at Wrigley Field. You guys know I take care of business when I'm at Wrigley Field. I get W's. That's what I'm there to do. All right. I'm not there to drink beer. I'm not there to hang out in the bleachers. I am there to watch the Cubs win baseball games. Okay. And you have my word that that is what I am headed to Chicago to do. So it's, it's just at that point where—and and look, I know a lot of people, when they see this, I, I know where your head goes, right? You're frustrated about this past off season. You're frustrated that, you know, more wasn't put into this team because you're seeing that they can obviously be successful. But it's in the past— right? It, it's, it's over with. We don't need to relitigate it every time we're thinking about how good this team can be because this team can be good as constructed with the players on the roster right now. They can win, they are winning, and they can absolutely compete in this division. So what they need to do, and we've talked about this this, this whole season, they need to beat teams like the Pirates. They need to go on a little run here so that Jed Hoyer, is not able to justify not giving them a chance to continue trying to win this division and competing in the playoffs. Jed Hoyer should be looking at this team saying this team has an awful lot of talent and a lot of it seems pretty young and and that we can kind of build around. And if I get The extensions done that I should be getting done. There's no reason that we need to be sellers at the trade deadline. There's no reason that any of this needs to get gutted or sent out or anything like that. This team can win. There are a ton of players on this team to build around and to build a future with. But let's start. With 2021, because this team is good enough. They are showing you that they can and will compete for this division title. So let's keep it going. Enjoy your off day and let's TCB against the loser Pittsburgh Pirates. So that is what we have for you. Always good. It's the first series against them of the year, but the Cubs doing the job in St. Louis, taking the series at Bush Stadium. Great series this weekend against the Cardinals. As always, we thank you guys for listening to the Cubs-related podcast, and we will be back with you later this week after the Cubs finish up against the Pirates. Enjoy your off day, everybody, and as always, Go Cubs!
1: Get really
0: into your favorite shows and movies all in one place with Flex, a 4K streaming box you get free with Xfinity Internet. Find what you want with your voice on Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, and more. No more jumping in and out of apps. And get Peacock Premium at no additional cost. It's a way better way to watch. Learn more at Xfinity.com Flex. Restrictions apply requires postpaid Xfinity Internet, excluding Internet essentials, one device included. Subscriptions required to access streaming services.